This is Market Ready, a brand new podcast about how companies bring products to market. On this season, we go behind the scenes and give you an in-depth look at the world of product marketing and answer questions like, what is product marketing? What are the core skills you need to be a product marketer? How is product marketing different at large and small companies? And so much more. But before we dive in, this episode is brought to you by Ragsdale Design Group. RDG Atlanta is an award-winning boutique digital media agency that specializes in creating branded content, advertising, and user experiences. To get your new product market ready, visit rdgatl.com slash market ready to learn more. Welcome to Market Ready, a podcast about how companies bring products to market. I'm your host, Jeanette Jordan. And I'm Aisha Slay. Why don't we talk a little bit about Market Ready and why we created this project? Yes. Thanks for that, Jeanette. So essentially created this podcast for a couple of different reasons. One, we are both working on projects around um, product marketing resources. We both found that there was a lack of resources available for people who want to break into product marketing or just getting started and building their career there. We have both been asked by different mentees around um, information for product marketing resources, and we found there was a lack of information. So by chance, introduction and having mutual friends, we were able to come together and bring this podcast on here. Essentially, what we want this to be is a resource to help understand what product marketing is, how do you break into the field, and really demystify what the role is. And I think we also really wanted to create community and, you know, have a space to help people really enter and grow. There's not a really great pipeline. There's no real clear way. There's not a major in college. And so I think it would just be helpful to, you know, pull the curtain back and give people some more information about how we got into it and what we do. So to kick it off there, how do you define product marketing? Like what is a product marketing manager? and What do they do? This is a good question. I definitely think that a product marketing manager is slightly different than a a, a typical marketing manager at other companies. I heard this defined and I really like the definition that a product marketing manager is sort of the CMO of a product. So if the product manager is considered the CEO, the product marketing manager is the CMO. I really like that. That's a cool definition. The way I always think about product marketing, the metaphor I typically use is a railroad track. So I think about your customer or your sales rep if you're in a B2B company, your market-facing team, and your end users is kind of one long track of a railroad. And then your internal, your technical teams, your product managers, your engineering managers is the other long track. And I like to say a product marketing manager is that cross track. Their job is to really shuffle information back and forth so the other teams can really be focused and run in their silos. And it's really your job to kind of advocate for whoever's not in the room. So when you're dealing with, you know, your technical teams, you really want to have that voice of the customer and advocate for the end user. And if you're dealing with the customer, your market-facing teams, you really want to advocate for your technical teams and make sure that you're bringing up solutions that are actually viable, that they can be built, that you're not letting anybody sell anything that actually can't exist in the market. Very true. I think you touched on a lot of good points that this role is highly collaborative, that you will be working across 
product, engineering, customer success, um, legal, uh, other marketing teams that you'll be working with as well. So uh, a product marketing manager is really a collaborator and a person who brings folks together essentially to help um, drive that launch success as well. So you brought up a good point that you work across so many different people and so many different teams. So what are the core skills you feel are essential um, to be a product marketing manager? This is a good question. I think definitely the the collaboration component, you have to actually like people and get along (laughs) with people. Uh, That's really true. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think also the ability to influence. So one of the things that is really important is that you're going to be working across so many different teams, but you don't always necessarily have a senior title attached with it. So you have to figure out a way to negotiate and influence people, whether that's product team, whether that's your legal team, whether that's your customer success team, to actually all come together and agree and make sure that they all are all, all pulling their weight um, in order to help this go-to-market launch actually happen. So you really have to have those skills to influence folks across the board without any real authority. That is a great like idea. And I would never have described ability to influence, but I think that you're exactly right. And I think in addition to influence, I think adaptability. I always think about that as a core skill because product launches always change as for anybody who's done this for a long time. Um, And not only that, I think about adaptability is depending on who you're talking to, how you position something, how you influence somebody might change, right? A lot of what product marketers do, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, is thinking about messaging and positioning. And I always think about when you're trying to talk to a key stakeholder, that positioning that I'm going to use, what my engineering manager cares about is going to be very different than what my sales rep cares about or very different than what my legal person cares about. So you also have to be really adaptable and know your audience to say, who am I talking to and what are their key KPIs, what are their key goals that they might need to hit and what do they care about so that I can position what I'm doing in a way that's really going to align it with their you know, major concerns or major issues or their goals so that we can continue to move things forward. But I think that's a great one. Anything else? Um, You also brought up a good point about KPIs. I think that being a product marketing manager, you also have to be really comfortable with data. Everything now, especially if you work in the technical industry, or even if you don't work in the tech industry, uh, you have to have something to measure by. So you have to be very comfortable with how are you going to actually measure this launch? What are those key metrics you're looking for and driving towards? What are those goals? And then how are you going to measure that? So what are the things that you need to have in place to actually measure that from start to finish? Um, That first touch point that a customer has with your product all the way into the end point, all the way until the complete life cycle of the product. So you have to get very comfortable with data and knowing those numbers, how you're going to measure yourself and what constitute a success. Um, I think it's a really good skill to have. Yeah, and I think we're going to talk in future episodes all about GTM. Um, but I do think that that's great. Whenever I'm mentoring somebody, one of the first things I you know, coach them to do is their go-to-market planning is really defining what is success. What are the KPIs? Is this something that is going to be just a strategic play? You know, do we just need to get it in the hands of customers? So, you know, quantity of people using it is really key versus are we making money from it, right? There's all different types of KPIs and that's a really great one and we should talk more about that later. What other skills do you think that someone needs to have to be a product marketing manager? Yes. 
I think also the ability to learn fast. So to your point earlier, product launches sometimes get delayed, but sometimes they're also very fast paced as well. Um, And so that timeline gets ramped up very quickly. So I think the ability to learn fast very quickly, um, whether that is um, learning quickly about uh, the technical side of the product, what that means, whether that learn means um, learning a little bit more about a certain part of the business and how they operate and how that's going to affect um, your particular product or launch, um, but just that uh, thrive for always wanting to constantly learn and being able to learn very quickly. I think that's a good one. I think what I would add to the list is creativity. Yes. You know, I think part of what we do as product marketing managers is understanding the competitive landscape. Yes understanding who else is in there. And one of the things that you really need to be able to do, hopefully quickly as well, is understand what are the key differentiators. So what are people already doing in the market? How are you different? And how are you going to, you know, either guide the product roadmap so that the product is different or message and position so you stand out differently? So I think some creativity to find that white space and really start to uniquely define what you guys do in that white space is really important. Are there any other kind of skill sets that we think we missed? I like the point about creativity. I like the point about um, the competitive landscape because you do really have to figure out what differentiates you from your competitors across the board. Why should your customers choose you versus somebody else who has an equal amount of product features that are coming out? I think another big thing that for a product marketing manager is important as a skill set to have is just... um, also essentially some good decent writing skills yeah half the time you are going to be creating a lot of decks writing um in certain roles writing quite a few blog posts um the copy that you put on is going to be customer facing majority of the time so you really need to be able to have strong writing skills as well Um, because oftentimes what you're writing for messaging and positioning is what's going to live on the website, is what's going to live on any type of marketing collateral that the customer sees. So being able to have uh, strong grammar skills is also important. Yeah, it's so interesting. The the plus one I was going to add is actually technical skills. And what I would say is I don't think it's a must-have, but I do think it's a nice-to-have. You know, for me, I actually came from an engineering background. I had a lot of quantitative coursework. I used to be an engineer. So when it comes to, and I work with a lot of data products in the market, when it comes to how do we actually analyze things and create people, I know high level math. I've actually taken calculus and advanced statistics and all of those things. So I do think it's a competitive advantage for me as a product marketer. So I don't think you have to have it, but I do think skill, you know, a technical skill in starting to learn the technical aspects of your product over time is definitely something that you should do as a best practice. So let's talk a little bit about how product marketing differs um, from small companies to big companies. What is that like? This is a great question because we have both worked across both big and small organizations um, from the bigger companies like the Googles, Ebays of the world, um, all the way down to smaller startups. So I think that one of the biggest things between a product marketing manager that I have noticed at large versus small is that um, typically at a smaller company, as a product marketing manager, you're, you're kind of, you are the voice for pretty much the entire product and for all the features going out there. So you're you're kind of a wearer of all hats and a catch-all until 
the, the marketing organiz- marketing organiz- organization gets built out. Yeah. So typically, you know, especially at startups, they may hire one to two marketing folks and then build it out around that. Yeah. So initially you are going to be that only person there building everything from the ground up um, and really kind of being like that voice, that, that one and only marketer across the board. Whereas like at a large company, in my experience, um, you are going to be the product marketer dedicated to a particular product line. So for example, when I was on the Chromecast team at Google, me and the rest of the marketers there were solely dedicated to Chromecast. We didn't work on any other product launches, any other features. Everything was just dived into this one particular product. Yeah. Um, and so I would say that's the um, the biggest difference I've seen at small versus large. What about yourself? Yeah, I would say at small companies, and it's funny because we didn't talk about this in core skills, but I would say project management skills. Like I, at a big company, when I worked in the eBay PayPal family, I had amazing project managers. So they were really responsible for chasing down some of the key stakeholders and bringing us together and focus, you know, getting us all in the room and kind of focusing those meeting agendas and doing notes and tasking everybody with things. So at a big company, I felt like I could focus on the actual core product marketing deliverables. Whereas a small company, I felt like I always function as project manager too. Mm -hmm. It was my job to actually organize and really synthesize all of the people. And so I see that as a pretty huge and significant difference. And I think you're right, just working across more products. I remember, you know, I, at one particular small company, I worked across uh, 10 different product managers. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So 10 to one ratios is probably the most fierce that I've had. Three to four probably is a little bit reasonable. But to your point, I think at a big company, there was one product that I worked on versus working across, you know, several, you know, seven to 10 at, at the highest. So I would say that's one of the biggest differences. I also think, um, for a small company, I think your stakeholders are also really busy. You're like, you're not the only one doing more than one job. So is my legal team. So, so everybody's time and attention is really short. So your ability to really influence and cut through the clutter is really harder, um, is another kind of key difference. I think as a small company where I felt like a large company, everybody was focused. Everybody's working on this one product and everybody's really focused on that one product. So your goals are a little bit more aligned. The priorities are not um, fighting for each other at a small company. So I think you really do have to be scrappy and kind of creative to push things forward. That's correct. I would definitely agree with all those things. So um, as you're looking at deciding whether you want a small versus large, really look at what exactly what do you want to be seen as like at the smaller organization you are seen as the know-all the all-encompassing marketer at a larger company you will be fully dedicated to one particular product and seeing that through its entire life cycle and where it goes from there yeah and you brought up a good point I think one of the downsides to being at a larger company um because I think we made it sound really glamorous is you are working on one product yes right so what happens if that product doesn't launch you know so I think that there could be some anxiety or some nervousness of like, hey, we're all I've spent a year or two of my career on this product, and it may never see the light of day. Whereas a small company, if one of my products got sold, it's fine. I have, you know, three or five others that I can, you know, pour myself into. And I think you have a less of a concern that your portfolio may not grow may not be 
well-rounded um, because all of your eggs are not in one basket. So while I do think it's a little bit harder and you have to be scrappy and creative, I think rolling with those punches and the changes are also not as hard because you have some variability in your project. That is correct. That brings up a good point too. Like another, I would say just downside or something to consider at a large company is that sometimes your product is not the the star highlight anymore. Yeah. So what happens when resources go away or when um, the company from the top down says, hey, your product is no longer a top priority for us. So yeah. those resources can very well go away that you used to have before. Um, so that can also be a little bit difficult to manage through as well when um, your product is no longer the shining star of yeah. the moment. And how do you navigate through that as well? Whether your product is the company's priority or not, it's important to remember you cannot have great marketing without great design. To illustrate how marketing and design should work together, we interviewed the team at Ragsdale Design Group, our sponsor for this episode. We give you a behind-the-scenes look at their design process and the creation of the Market Ready logo. What was your motivation to start Ragsdale Design Group? I want to create an experience that was nimble and agile, but we still provide results you normally expect from a much larger shop. And that's how I kind of birthed our tagline, which is boutique hustle and big agency results. That was Raynard Ragsdale, founder and chief delivery officer for Ragsdale Design Group. Coming into this project, did you know anything about product marketing? So coming into this project, I actually didn't know anything about product marketing, which I really do think can be um, really challenging and exciting uh, for the design perspective on a new project. Julia Green, visual designer at Raxdale Design Group. So how do you start the design process when you're working on a company or a product that you're completely unfamiliar with? So starting that kind of process, I always really like to have like an intake meeting uh, with that specific client, ask them as many questions as is necessary in order to see kind of what their vision is, um, what their expectations are for their ending design, like what they really want um, the look and the feel of their future product or brand to be. Um, just because hearing from them first exactly what they're looking for um, is just a really great way to kind of see what um, what you can really help them with. So I would love for you to walk me through the process of actually designing the Market Ready logo and telling me what those design elements mean. For creating the Market Ready logo, um, we really knew that we wanted to have this really strong, bold typeface as kind of the hero um, to the logo. Um, so we've got Market Ready in these bold 3D style letters. Um, with these three arrows. And then just in general, we've made sure that the entire logo has kind of an upward tilt to it, um, just because we really wanted it to represent this forward motion, um, always just kind of doing bigger and better things. Ali Gallegos, Ragsdale Design Group's copywriter and project coordinator. We knew that you wanted green, and that was so great because green obviously means go. It's a very active color. It's a very it activates you and we wanted to activate people and we wanted people who looked at this tile or who see, you know, the social assets to feel, you know, activated, like they would be gaining some sense of moving forward and moving upward from looking at what we created. So having that sort of as the baseline and then adding the visual of the lines to give it literal motion, that's sort of what came into play. 
I love that kind of constant feel of a balance of a really strong, like get up and go forward. And there's kind of like an ebb and a flow to how you get there. What did you learn, if anything, about product marketing during this project? Julia Green. I think Google has about 100 different definitions uh, <laughs> for what PMMs actually do on a daily basis. So I'm really grateful to both you and Maisha for kind of giving the space um, its due respect. <laughs> you guys are the ones that actually focus on like the go to market section of that product. So physically getting that product uh, launched to where it needs to be. Ali Gallegos. I think one of the things that I never had considered is, you know, for product management versus product marketing management, there's a difference. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's funny how, how I'd never considered that. I thought that it was all just, you know, under this one large umbrella and it is, but there's a difference and that's to be respected. There are so many product manager resources or product management resources, as I'm sure you found if you did a Google search, and there's much fewer (laughs) product marketing resources. And so I think you really hit upon, um, one, um, the energy that we hope to capture by creating this podcast, and two, really the meaning and the goal, which is to really help people understand what this is, help people really reposition themselves for a new career path, a new new market, and whether it's Mm -hmm. the products themselves or the people who are moving into product marketing, we want them to be ready to go. RDG Atlanta partners with their clients to help bring their brands to life. Whether you are building a new brand, as we did at Market Ready, or simply engaging customers with a new campaign, Ragsdale Design Group is here to help you. If you're looking for a boutique agency that delivers big results, visit rdgatl.com slash market ready to learn more. We appreciate the team at RDG Atlanta. Thank you guys so much, not only for being a creative partner, but for also sponsoring our very first episode. So let's talk about the difference in kind of B2B and B2C. Yes. Uh, And I know we both kind of worked across those. I think you have more B2C experience than I, but what do you really think the difference is for product marketing at a B2C business versus a B2B business? Yeah, I think the similarities are pretty similar to sort of what we talked about at a smaller versus larger organization. So at a B2C company, essentially, your main goal um, is always about the customer, um, and that, not to say that's not at B2B, but you get more direct access to your customers in the B2C market. So for example, um, when I was working on more customer facing products, I can actually go to a Best Buy and be able to see our displays and our products within the store, be able to see how customers interacted with them when they walked by, be able to um, just randomly go up to sales associates and ask them about like um, how they are selling this um, and have them give me the pitch, not knowing that. I, you know, worked on this particular product. So you're able to get more of that voice of customer or just the pulse of how well your product's doing very, um, very early on. And there's a lot more touch points for that versus B2B, you know, you're interacting with either an organization or an individual who's um, representing an organization. So it's really harder to get that touch point more clear. Um, So that's just my first point around. I, 
I always feel really torn about this. So yeah. B2C, I do think it's really exciting because it's usually products you can see out in the yes. world. You can walk around and tell somebody what you do and they recognize it and there's something great about that. I also think from an internal standpoint, when you're working on a B2C project, I think marketing in general has more respect. Mm-hmm. I think it's more closely tied to revenue and you are considered a revenue generator, a revenue center in a B2C business, where I feel like in a B2B business, you're much more of a cost center. You're not the one making money. Your sales rep is the one selling for you. They are the revenue generator. And I know it's really kind of shocking and galling to some marketers, but I always say in a B2B business, you serve at the pleasure of sales. Like they are the ones who are actually hunting and bringing in those dollars. And so you really need to be really closely align with your sales reps and build a really good relationship. And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about that in the podcast too. So I think kind of having those power dynamics of being close to the revenue versus not close to the revenue is a huge, huge difference. And then I think, you know, getting close to the customer versus having almost a gate between you and the customer and the sales reps, like you don't dare go around your sales rep in a B2B business and talk to your customer. You have to be invited into those meetings. Um, So I think that that's a difference. But I would say on the downside, B2C is like customer trends can change. Customers change <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> and, and it can be a little fickle. Yeah. You know, what is hot today? I mean, remember like the world of like MySpace yeah. and that was all the rage, right? And like now it's Facebook or now it's Instagram. Like customer preferences can shift and be a little fickle. Um, so that is really hard. But I would also say customers can also attach to something really quickly and something can take off fast. Whereas the B2B business, your sales cycles are so long. Having somebody go through the pipeline because you're dealing with potentially another big company and their purchasing team and their sales team. And there's just so many gates and your messaging, you might actually have different you know, groups or audiences within the right. same organization that you're trying to sell to to get this thing to close. Um, I think it's much longer and it can be harder. On the benefit, once you land a B2B contract, I feel like your product is generally safe for a couple yes. of years. You're not at the whim of these like customer shifts where there's going to be big changes. Businesses don't usually change and move that quickly. So to me that there's a little bit of security with B2B, even though your sales cycles are much longer but you don't have that recognition and you don't have that kind of power bringing in the revenue. So I don't know. It's a tough call. I've really enjoyed both. And then I don't know about your experience in, it could be how product marketing has just changed over the years. When I was in the eBay PayPal family, a lot of what I did as product marketing, we would consider much more demand gen and campaigns. I was really closer to the campaigns that we would actually run yes. to pull customers in. And in a B2B world, that's actually considered a completely different function from product marketing. So I don't know what your experience with that has been. Yeah, that, that does bring up a good point. Um, I think especially as a product marketer on the B2C side, you are focusing a lot more on those campaigns. So there are major moments that you always want to be a part part of and you're um, pretty much have what I actually like about the B2C world is that you have your whole year pretty much planned up at the very beginning because you're going to hit these major points. So you want to hit like a Valentine's Day promo. You're going to hit a 4th of July promo. You're definitely going to do Black Friday. Right. <laughs> um, and you're going to do Christmas. So there's always these major moments that you know and you're going to expect around, hey, this is the time that we need to put it out there, have some type of thing to to your point, have demand and bring customers in, get them to know about you. 
And so you are always running some type of campaign. Um, and so that could be exciting, but it's also a lot of work. So yeah. each year you are probably switching up and changing your campaign and what that means. Um, and so a lot of work goes into that of working with advertising agencies um, to uh, bring that part in. Um, if you're working at both either a big or a small company, um, really making sure that your brand is resonating with customers. So you don't want to confuse them. Like they need to have a clear point of what your product does, what's the value for them, and why should they again, buy you over a competitor. Um, but they also want to see something creative. They want to be able to see you, um, you know, out there in the world and say like, oh, that company is so cool. I mean, Apple built their whole campaign around just showing their product with really flashy music and, and images for their commercials. And it helped drive one awareness, but two demand for their product based on that, based on the campaigns that they drove around. And they're essentially seen as one of um, you know, one of the top marketing campaigns to follow, especially not just in the Valley, but especially around just the marketing world. So I do think that as a product marketer for um, the B2C side, you are going to be running a lot more demand generating campaigns and focusing a lot more on the branding of the product. Yeah. And I would say for B2B, I would say it's trade shows, right? It's yes. There are still these elements of moments, but I would say it's much more not something that people would necessarily understand in the consumer market. It could be, you know, the consumer electronics show is happening. It could be, you know, a retail show is happening, like depending yeah. on who your client base is, it could be advertising week. Um, usually our big moments around trade shows and it could be dinner and it just looks a little different. I think it looks like much more like entertainment or wining and dining and creating an experience for your customers um, that they would remember. You know, one right. of the things that my company does now, our, you know, name is Ad Roll. Um, and so we take like the role in our name really seriously. So one of the things that we did to cut through the clutter for trade shows is roller discos. Oh. And so around trade shows, we nice. actually take over spaces and create an old school style roller saving rinks and give people an experience nice. and give people a moment. <laughs> um, so it's a little bit different, but just, again, fun ways to kind of stand out and think about yes. doing something different and to surprise and delight. We also, I think what's having a resurgence that we haven't talked about is like direct mail. We also put mail on people's direct death. mail <laughs> is becoming an, it's a it's like, tried and true method that is still very relevant even like in this digital trend. age. Yes. It's like a hot trend. We're going back to somebody putting something on your desk. And yes. it's funny, as everything has gone so digital, it seems like that's the way to cut through the clutter. Like, I just got chipped a bottle of wine. I'm waiting to figure out a note or who sent it or what is it a prospecting for out of nowhere. But it was like, oh, you have mail. You know, it's like, exactly. like oh, wow. So I think kind of going back to those kind of tactics and how they cycle is also really interesting. Right. So I want to do something a little fun uh, yes. before we close the show, which is we have questions. When we started this, we actually surveyed a bunch of uh, aspiring product marketers. And so I think I want to close with a question. Are you game for it? Let's do it. Okay. How would you define being a successful PMM in three bullets? <laughs> that is a good one. Uh, being a successful PMM in three bullets. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Um, one, I think the ability to understand your product, its value, and how it's going to be a problem solver for your customers. Okay. Um, two, uh, I think we've 
had this line throughout uh, the podcast today, but being creative. Yeah. So really making sure that you find creative ways to um, not only get yourself out in the market, um, but uh, around your messaging, how you make that connection. And then I think the third thing about being a really great, successful product marketer is, again, just that ability to influence and collaborate and actually like people. You are going to be working with so many different people who come from so many different backgrounds and so um, in and functions. So just making sure that you have that ability to um, not only just be likable, but um, really making sure that you're bringing people in across the board. So that's a good one. I'm going to intentionally uh, pick a different okay, three, please do. Um, just so that just so that um, our listeners can have something to pick from. So I would say to be successful, hit your launch date, right? Like hit your yes. launch date. And if your launch date is not going to hit, I don't want you to be the reason that the launch right. date doesn't hit, right? So you should like really be ready and make sure that you can hit your launch date, I would say is one. I would say secondly, like create KPIs know your yes. KPIs. Please create KPIs. Hit your KPIs, yeah. right? Um, because I would also say the reason why I think KPIs is uh, really important because it is the measure for success and success can be different. And your actual strategies and tactics that you're going to use is going to be really dependent. Like I said, if I just need to flood the market, what I'm going to do to just drive adoption is going to be very different than does that adoption need to come with making money? So I think, you know, knowing your KPIs, defining success and hitting those, I would say would be really important as a product marketer. And then I think you're right, like knowing your product. I think it's key. I don't think we can give success metrics without knowing your product and really understanding how it works, being able to pitch that product, you know, not having to rely on somebody else for the answers or the two minute snippets, I would think is key. Well, thank you guys so much for spending time with us on our first episode of Market Ready. We have so much more to come. And next time, we're going to really break down how to become a product marketer. What is the skill sets? Talking really deeply about our background and everything else. What are you excited before we close about the rest of the season of Market Ready? This season is going to be really great. I'm so glad that we're doing this. Uh, We're going to also do tales from the field and getting some other product marketers um, from other really great um, companies in here to talk about their experience and how they came to become a product marketing manager. I also think um, one of the episodes I'm really looking forward to as well is how to create a go-to-market strategy plan and what that looks like. All about GTM. Yes. So we have some really great things in store for this season. And of course, we always welcome your feedback. So if there's a particular topic area you would like us to cover around being a product marketing manager, please um, email us and, and let us know. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. That's this episode of Market Ready. Thank you to our sponsor, Ragsdale Design Group. Whether you're looking to design, build, or launch a new website, or create branded content and advertising, RDG Atlanta can help you. To get your new brand market ready, visit rdgatl.com slash market ready. This show was produced by the Market Ready team. Sound mixed and edited by Full Spectrum Productions with original music from Damani Rhodes. Thank you again for listening and feel free to connect with us at Market Ready Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn.